Let's talk about the neighborhood corner store now in Vancouver, elsewhere in Metro Vancouver, throughout British Columbia too. Is this a threatened species when it comes to small business operations now? So you know the stores I'm talking about, right? Like the store near your home, on the corner, in a residential neighborhood. Maybe sell some basic groceries, household items. A convenience store, right? Maybe you can buy a cup of coffee there, lottery tickets. The city of Vancouver right now, launching a study on these small stores, these neighborhood stores, looking at ways to preserve them and help them. They say this is a cherished part of our city, and some of them are feeling the pressure for sure. Let's discuss it with my guest, Sarah McIntyre, Vice President for Western Canada, the Convenience Industry Council of Canada. Sarah, it's nice to talk to you again. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for coming on today. So let's talk about these stores here. How big is this sector? How many of these stores do we have? Well, nationally, uh, we've got a pretty big footprint. We have uh, 23,000 stores across the country, uh, employ about 200,000 people. In British Columbia, uh, numbers are still pretty big. 2,200 stores, 19,000 people are directly employed in the convenience sector. Um, and we do a lot of tax collecting for the government, $1.6 yeah. billion just for the provincial government alone and fuel, lottery and tobacco taxes. Are these often run by family? Are these family businesses in a lot of cases? Um, it's a mix. We have some corporate yeah. stores as well in our membership sure. and some of them are family members. I mean, you know, when you think about the you know, archetype of a Canadian dream for, for immigrants and new Canadians, it's often the convenience store. So, um, you know, we've got a a good uh, diversity across our sector, but um, as, as you know, the survey kind of, I think indicates is what we see is there, the stores are, are under threat. There's, we've seen a number of them closing throughout British Columbia. In fact, I think in the past two years, we've seen a 4% decline in the number of stores throughout the province. Oh, wow. Okay. That's very interesting that that's the direction we're going in here. Why is that happening? I think there's there's a number of different reasons uh, for that, but um, the old business model just isn't working for a lot of convenience stores, um, you know, rely upon a lot of foot traffic coming in and fuel traffic and uh, people just aren't driving as much. Um, either from because they're working from home or because gas is two dollars a liter, um, take your pick. Um, and and also there's been uh, for a lot of convenience stores the emergence and prevalence of contraband tobacco across the province, but also across the country has made it really difficult um, to stay there, keep their doors open, as well as labor costs and keeping and retaining labor. Um, and, you know, retail safety is a big thing. I think you've probably heard that from many retail operators. Um, you know, you have all, individuals coming in and filling up their backpack and waving goodbye and walking out the door. And there's very little um, that uh, anyone can do about it. The police are tapped, um, you know, so they don't really have the resources to come in and, and look at at those types of costs. But at the end of the day, it's the business owner that has to eat that. Speaking of Sarah McIntyre, Convenience Industry Council of Canada, talking about the plight of the neighborhood corner store, convenience stores in Canada, as you heard Sarah describe there, on the decline. I really want to dig into that issue around uh, contraband tobacco. We've discussed about that on the show in the past, Sarah. Also, some mm-hmm. of the uh, the shoplifting and, and robberies that we're seeing in some stores. Let me ask you real quick, though, on the cost of running these businesses. Like we just talked about, the number of fees and taxes that are set to rise in this in the city of Vancouver. You got 
such expensive real estate. I mean, it must the the, in, the input cost to run a small business like this must be going up. Oh, absolutely, especially in urban areas, but really across the across the province. You know, real estate, as you say, is the biggest driver, but yeah. also labor, and then all these taxes and licenses and fees. In fact, the the city of Vancouver is looking at uh, for convenience stores that have fuel stations um, increasing their business license to ten thousand dollars if they don't put oh. in certain EV stations. And some of these guys don't really have the space for EV charging, so um, they're kind of putting a on a rock in a hard place. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's talk about some of these other pressures you described there. First of all, so shoplifting, and in some cases we get some violent confrontations, like like literally armed robberies here. Let me play a clip here for you, Sarah. This is mm-hmm. Jake Curry. Okay, so he is he's a teenage store clerk, works in a local convenience store, corner store in Nanaimo. And here he is describing the day that he was working and a guy comes in with a mask and threatens him with a knife and he fought back with a with a baseball bat have a listen to this that's when the 14 year old who happens to be six foot three 300 pounds saw the mask then the knife and instinct took over there's a bat just right down here and i reach for it and that's my swing from the left yeah okay so he took a swing at this guy knocked the knife out of his hand and the robber turned around chickened out and just ran away. Have a listen to one of the customers in the store here, Gary Robertson, is just fed up with this. Here he is speaking to Global News. It's frustrating. All the people in the community who um, enjoy shopping at local shops, um, that's all put in jeopardy when when people decide that they want to rob places and, and make it less profitable or even more dangerous for somebody to own a small business. Okay, Sarah, what are you hearing from your from your people on this in terms of like shoplifting and that kind of thing going on? Yeah, no, it's it's a great point. And, um, you know, we're hearing it even from customers that are coming into the store that they'll change their behaviors or not coming into a convenience store in the evening hours because they're they're not feeling safe in the store. Um, but, you know, as a business owner, how are you ensuring that your employees are safe? So most of our members have an observe and report policy. Do they don't want to see any escalation for risk of, of violence or, you know, injury? But, you know, there's I've, I've heard a few stories where, you know, there was this young girl second day on the job. She goes out to, you know, where they keep the windshield washer fluid in those plastic bins yes. by the gas pumps, goes sure. to unlock that. Somebody was sleeping in there, wakes up abruptly and ends up clocking her in the face second day on the job. And she's off in an ambulance. And obviously she's not coming back to to work at that location. So. It's it's a ripple effect um, when you have issues with addiction and homelessness and and lawlessness, and it spills into the convenience store. It spills into the retailer. And so, how are you able to maintain staff when those are the types of conditions that they're facing? You know, I as a kid worked at a Becker's in Ontario uh, in high school, and it was kind of the job that you went you had when you were in high school. Um, and now I think a lot of parents are kind of questioning, you know, when are the hours and what are you going to be working when you're in a convenience store? So it's something that we know we need to work with policing agencies. We need to work with our elected officials. It has to be a priority. It has to be addressed. Um, and it's not just a simply cost issue. It's obviously a safety issue for employees. For sure. Let's talk about this contraband, uh, tobacco Mm -hmm. issue now, because this is an Mm -hmm. issue we've talked about on the show before. And I know that for a lot of these small stores that tobacco sales are a big part of the revenue and and the business model there. But 
when you mm-hmm. are competing against sort of black market cigarettes and people can buy super cheap, super cheap tobacco and cheaper, super cheap cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, good luck competing against that. Let me play a clip here for you. This is Weldon LeBlanc from Crime Stoppers on an earlier show talking about the appeal of black market cigarettes. Let's listen. The, uh, the pricing of legal cigarettes it increases over the years through increased taxing and so on. So the differential between a, legal, a carton of legal cigarettes and a carton of illegal cigarettes is very appealing to the average person. Yeah, so Sarah, like, you can understand why people would want to spend less money on, on cigarettes if they, if they smoke. Tell me what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge, huge issue, and it's one that's, um, it's not just BC specific, it's across the country from Newfoundland to to here. And, and in fact, we're, we're going to have a report looking at the size of the contraband tobacco market in the country in BC, Ontario, Newfoundland in a couple of weeks. So hopefully I can come back on and, and dig into the numbers with you then. But, you know, it's not just revenue that the provincial government's losing in tobacco taxes. It, it is hitting the, the individual convenience store operator when... Um, somebody down the road or even online can offer a, a, a carton of cigarettes for $60, whereas our our, our uh, convenience retailers, uh, the you know, the price is 175 bucks. So, you know, everyone's got these inflationary costs. You just had, you know, everyone's facing the pinch. So you're looking to save some money. Um, it's not a hard calculus for the for the consumer and for the smoker. Um, the, the difficulty and the frustration for our members is that it's going and growing unabated and unchecked and unnoticed and, and not really a priority for government. We've been trying and trying and trying to reach with this provincial government specifically here in B.C., um, and I can't even get a meeting. I've been trying to get a meeting with wow. the minister responsible since I joined this organization in December. Won't meet with us. Um, and it's it's resulting in, you know, I was talking about that 4% closure rate across the province. That's directly why. Mm. Now, I, I, um, that's very interesting. I wonder why. Like, I, I, are there sensitivities around, like, Indigenous interests here? Like, because there's, I guess there's a popular belief a lot of this black market cigarettes gets, gets smuggled through First Nations reserves, especially around the border. Is that is that true? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's part of it, Mike. But I think that that's a, you know, a... a a superficial understanding of the issue. I mean, some of most of the the cigarettes are produced on reserve, but it's it's organized crime that's actually yeah. distributing, networking, and profiting from contraband cigarettes. You know, uh, whenever you see a bust in the news where there's contraband tobacco, like a lot of it, there's always guns involved, there's always cash, and there's always cocaine or fentanyl or some other more illicit drug that's accompanying it. And the reason for that is nobody busts contraband tobacco, so the risk profile is low. It's eight times more profitable than cocaine. And so wow. these groups are using contraband tobacco to buy their guns, to buy other illicit drugs. So it, it really is all connected. Community safety, organized crime, and contraband tobacco, and your convenience store, you know, unlikely characters together, but it's all having a ripple effect. And we're seeing no action whatsoever from this provincial government. Well, they should be acting on it because this is hitting their bottom line too. Like if we take a look at the impact on provincial tax revenue, when this kind of black market is flourishing, that's a big hit. So I'll play one more clip here for you from uh, Weldon LeBlanc, Crime Stoppers here, commenting on that point. Like, how much is this costing the province in lost tax revenue, contraband tobacco? Let's listen. 
tax revenue is important to fund a lot of the social programs that we uh, that we depend on. So when you um, when you have a, a trade as big as the contraband tobacco trade, it has a it makes a significant dent in the revenues that come into the province. Okay, Sarah, your thoughts? You think the province would be more concerned about this right now? Yeah, I mean, it's and it's not just a you know a thousand or a hundred thousand dollars. We're we're looking at you know in a in a few years that's about two hundred million dollars that the province is just letting uh, sit on the table and 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 not um, and not uh, have any enforcement trying to collect that money. So those are things that can have you know extra police officers, extra firefighters, extra paramedics. I mean, yeah. we're we're entering a phase where you know budgets are getting tighter and and costs are going up and and the government has to make choices and priorities you would think um revenue and uh would be would be a priority but uh it, it just we just cannot get any traction whatsoever sarah thank you for coming on today i appreciate it okay thanks so much mike